Tov. We continue with our studies in the Haggadah with the commentary of Rabbi Yaakov Lisa in his Sefer Maaseh Nisim. And we left you off with the question, why is there no bracha before we fulfill the mitzvah of reading the Haggadah? As we said yesterday, there's a mitzvah of telling over the story. And we explain it's not just mentioning it like a whole year, but really going through the whole story. So why is there no bracha? So before we give you the answer uh, from our author, there is another answer why there's no bracha that needs, uh, that according to the way Rabbi Yaakov Lisa has already been explaining it, circumvents that answer. And the answer that's suggested is the reason that we don't have a bracha before we relate the Exodus experience. Because what's the whole aspect of the mitzvah of telling over the Yisiyas Mitzrayim? It's to praise and thank Hashem that he took us out of the Egyptian Golos, which is the foundation of all the kindnesses that, that God could do as we explained in the, intro, in the introduction. So now, if it's supposed to be an expression of I'm so thankful to you, Hashem, what kind of praise it is if we preface it and say we're doing it because we were forced to do it? What would be the brach? Baruch ato Hashem, Elokeinu Malcholam. Blessed are you, God, the King of the world. Asher kidashon v'susav, you sanctify us, sir. And you commanded us to relate the story of the Exodus. So if God commands you to do something, do you have a choice? When I want to say thank you, you do me a favor. And I want to say thank you. When is it authentic? If no one's forcing me to say thank you, right? If you give an analogy to this. Let's say you have a husband and wife who are having shalom bias problems. Okay. So the husband goes to a great rabbi for some advice. And the rabbi says, you know what? Whatever your wife does something good, thank her for it, even though you don't feel that you, you, um, that you need to show your hakara satov to her. Even though you don't feel gratitude. She does something for you, maybe, she, and you don't. Maybe she didn't do such a good job. You really don't want to thank her. She made a lousy supper. You could see she. She just said, "Oh, I, I defrosted something from the freezer last minute." You know, so, something you don't want to thank her for. But just thank her. Thank her for whatever she does for you. Show your gratitude. And uh, so, the husband says, "Okay, I'll do it." Okay, now, so what happened? The wife does something good. So now the husband says, oh dear, Rabbi so-and-so told me to say thank you and how I appreciate it. <laughs> so thank you and appreciate it because Rabbi so-and-so told me to say it. How well is that going to wash? What, you're doing it because the rabbi told you to do it? Aren't you doing it because you love me and you want to express your genuine um, thankfulness? So that's the same thing when we make a bracha on a mitzvah that we were, if we're going to say, I was commanded to recite the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, that's not a praise at all. So really, 
what is the whole question of our author since he already says the whole idea of the relating of the Sibir Sushraim is to show our thanks to Hashem of this in, of this fundamental kindness Hashem did. And, mm-hmm. and it's something we should want to do. So then of course we don't make a bracha on that. Yes, Shlomo. Oh, the same question will be asked. Very good, Shlomo. You are mechaving to a great question that was asked by Rav Hai Gaon from the early, early Middle Ages. He asked the same question. He says we should not make the brach on Hallel on the night of Pesach because that, or because really at the end of the Haggadah, before we drink the second cup of wine, we say Lafikov, therefore, Anachnu Chayavim Lahodos We are therefore obliged to praise Hashem. If we're obliged, so why are we making a bracha? Right? So it, it should not be with, with a bracha as well. Excellent question. And therefore we shouldn't make the bracha and uh uh, Shlomo, do Svarim do not make a bracha for Halal, do they? Make a They do all the time? Yeah. I thought maybe not on Rosh Chodesh. I don't know. But anyway. Ligmor is Halal. Ligmor is Halal. Okay. Anyway, but that that's the question that's asked. So the answer we're going to give is going to apply to both. But what we're saying is, Lechera, why does the Masanisim have the question based on what he himself said, the whole essence of, of saying the Haggadah is expressing our thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So why do we still have the question? So the commentary on the Masa Nisim, the Be'er Hamasa, says that question we can put, push away because of yesterday's introduction. We said Hashem has shown a lot of kindness for us, but one of the kindness, besides the kindness of taking us out of Egypt, but, and the kindness that we're able to say praises of Hashem, but also by God making it a commandment, even though it's logical, but he wanted to reward us because you get a greater reward if you're commanded to do something than if you're not commanded to do this. So Hashem wanted to give us more schar. So therefore, it's not a question. The fact that we say you commanded us is really saying like this. I really would say it anyway. Because I'm so grateful to you, Hashem. And you allow me to say praises of you. And I'm so grateful. And now I'm even more grateful that you commanded me to say it. Because with that command, I even get a reward for it. And I would have thanked you even without a reward. And therefore, we can make the bracha. The bracha is on what? On the fact, not merely that Hashem commanded us to do it. But he's saying, I'm commanding you because I know you do it anyway and I want to give you a reward for it. And that's exactly how the Maral answers that question of Haigon by the Halal, the same thing. We're thanking, so the Maral is much earlier. We're going back 500 years ago. The Maral is saying the same Yisod, that we thank Hashem that he wants to reward us for doing this. And therefore, we still are left with the question, why do we make, uh, why don't we make a bracha since Hashem himself wants to reward us? He gave us the mitzvah. He made it a mitzvah to reward us. We would have done it anyway. 
So therefore, the question is, so why don't we make a bracha on it? Very good question. So he gives the following answer. He says, let's look at other aspects where we make brachas on mitzvahs and where we don't make a bracha on mitzvah. And here is the rule of thumb. What if the whole mitzvah is a bracha? Let's say benching. Benching, birchatamazon, is a biblical mitzvah. So what is the mitzvah of blessing God is saying a bracha. That is the mitzvah. So he says it's not logical to make a bracha and a mitzvah that is already a bracha. In other words, if I'm putting on tefillin, okay, I'm putting on tefillin. So the bracha is just focusing me on the mitzvah I'm doing it because Hashem commanded me to. But if you already are saying the mitzvah is to say a bracha, Blessed are you, God, you're ready saying a blessing to Hashem, and that is the mitzvah. What am I going to say? Before I bench, but that's exactly what I'm doing. So you don't find that a bracha on a bracha. Fascinating idea. And that's why they didn't make a, a, a bracha on Kriyashma. Uh, well, that, that's a whole issue. A bracha before the brachas on Krishna. Anyway, so therefore we see that there's no bracha on something that is a bracha unless it's an action itself. And therefore, which makes a lot of sense, if the whole myth was the bracha, no, no point in saying a bracha on the bracha. So therefore, there's no point in making a bracha here too. Why? So you're going to ask, what bracha is in the Haggadah? So as we said, some suggest the bracha is the kiddush. But that's not a good answer because we make kiddush over every holiday. So it's nothing unique about Pesach and the Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim that we're saying. And that's just a mere mentioning. So where is the bracha? So he says the bracha is towards the end of the Haggadah before we drink the second cup of wine. Right before we make the brach on the second cup of wine, let me just read a little bit. We end off right before we say Borei Priyagof, and at the end of the reading of Agada, we say Baruch Ato Hashem Olkeinu Malach Olam, bless you God, Asher Go'alanu, for you have redeemed us and redeemed our fathers from Egypt, and we've come to this day to eat matzah and morah. So Hashem, we should come to holidays in the future to go to Yerushalayim and also be able to, um, you know, sing songs for our future redemption. Baruch atah Hashem go'al Yisro. Blessed are you, Hashem, you've redeemed the Jewish people. So he says that is the bracha on saying the Haggadah. It's clearly, we're thanking, it's like go'al Yisro. <laughs> That's the bracha of Geula. And, we're, and we say in that bracha, that we're talking about that you allowed us. We thank you that you redeemed us from Egypt. Okay. Yes. Why is it not in the start, in the beginning? Ah, oh, another good question. Shlomo, you're on a roll today. Okay, so good question. So why do we do it in the beginning? But and So now let, let's say your question and let's say the other side of the question. For example... 
let's say when you make a bracha and food, you make a bracha rishona before, and then we make a bracha achrona. Then we make an after blessing, right? So, for example, um, we say on food, then we eat the food, and at the end we bench. So some of the commentaries have a question on this answer, and uh, uh, they uh, they say that there that there's a difference over here. Here, uh, the the mitzvah of the Torah is to make a bracha. When you normally make a bracha, it's a bracha on a mitzvah. Okay, but the Haggadah. So what are you going to say? The Iker mitzvah is to tell over the story, not to make a bracha. What's the main, what was the answer? He said, just like you don't make a bracha on a bracha, if that's the mitzvah. The mitzvah is a bracha, like benching. You don't make a bracha on a bracha. So to here is a bracha in the Haggadah. But that's, the answer is a problem because the bracha here we make, that isn't the Haggadah. That isn't the mitzvah of Haggadah. There's a mitzvah to talk about the Yisrael tribe. There's no bracha in that part. Ah, you're going to say, but we make a bracha at the end. But that's not doing the mitzvah. When we say the bracha of Asher Go'al, that you redeemed us, that's not relating the story. So what kind of bracha is it? It's more like a bracha achrona. It's like an after blessing. It's like when you finish the mitzvah, you've done an after blessing. And he says, very interesting, if you just say the bracha that I told you, Asher Go'alonu, would you have fulfilled the mitzvah of telling over the Pesach story? No, because we have a section from Rabbi Gamliel who says, anyone who doesn't say the following three things is not Yotze, his Seder of Pesach, Matzah, and Mor. So the bracha of Asher Go'alonu is not the fulfillment of the mitzvah. It's not the same as benching. Benching is the mitzvah. The mitzvah is thank Hashem for the food. And we say three brachas to thank Hashem for the food. That is the mitzvah. So you don't say a bracha and a bracha. Here the Haggadah, what's the real mitzvah? The real mitzvah is saying the Haggadah. Telling over the story from the beginning to the end. That is the mitzvah. That's, that's no bracha there. Ah, there's a bracha right at the end. But that bracha alone does not fulfill the mitzvah of telling over the Haggadah. That's not a mitzvah. You haven't accomplished that. So what is it? It's like a bracha chrona. It's like an after blessing. But still leaves us with a question. So where's the bracha in the beginning? You follow? You hear the question on this answer. So the you have to come on to another answer. I don't remember who said this, but I came across this many, many years ago. And we know just like when we say this bracha at the end of Asher Go'alonu. Okay, what do we say a few chapters before that? Before that, we say, in every generation, a person must see himself as if he himself went out of Egypt. And they bring a proof to that. And if you have to see that, therefore, we're obliged to praise Hashem. And then we start the hollow, beginning of the hollow. That's all towards the end of the whole Magid part. And then when we finish those two chapters of Halal, then we say the bracha of Bach Hashem Gal Yisrael. Okay, so what does it mean we have to see ourselves as if we went out of Egypt? So 
What is, if we'd have to describe uh, someone who went out of Egypt and you would describe to a person, what was the biggest change that happened to you, you in your life when you left Egypt? And we're talking about the whole story now. We're not just talking walking out of Egypt. We're talking going out of Egypt, getting the Torah at Sinai, going into the land of Israel. That's what the whole, it's the whole story. It started by going out of Egypt. What would you say is the main thing we thank Hashem for? Basically, Hashem turned us from being like a non-Jew into a Jew. That's what it is. When we got the Torah in Sinai, many of the things we did are very much a precedent to how we look at conversion. Even though the Jews were the sons of Avram, children of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, but their status as Jews was not the same status as we all got at Sinai. The status of the patriarchs who lived as Jews, as ethical monotheists who believed in Hashem, it was wonderful and they were amazing people, but it didn't bequeath a permanent status. It was not part of our DNA that comes forever no matter who you are. That happened at Sinai. At Sinai, any Jew who was at Mount Sinai, it was like a conversion. That's why. What do you do when you're a convert? What's the main things we do to a potential convert? First of all, we ask them, do you want to be a Jew? Why do you want to be a Jew? Don't want to be a Jew. And then we give them certain mitzvahs that are very hard to understand. He says, I'm going to do it anyway. And then what happens? He has to get a circumcision. And then he has to go to the mikvah. Those are the three main things. So let's see, the Jews who were in Egypt, almost all of them did not circumcise themselves. Step one. So what did they have to do? Before they brought the Korban Pesach, they circumcised themselves. So that was step one. Then they came to Sinai, and Hashem says, do you want the Torah? And what did they say? Nasev and Ishma. Okay, we will do. Oh, very good. So that was step number two. And then what happened? They all went, they immersed in a mikvah. Was step number three. And then the actual conversion happened when Hashem gave us the Torah at Sinai. That was the national conversion, as it were. So what is it that really happened? The entire Pesach story, the historical drama, plays itself out as a nation who are not what we would call halachic Jews. In Egypt, they were not what we would call halachic Jews. But when they came to the other side and received the Torah at Sinai, they became halachic Jews. And even more, when Hashem gave the first commandment, what happened to everybody? They died on the spot. Then Hashem revived them. Why did Hashem do that? Why did Hashem do that? There's many answers, but one answer is very simple. They died as non-Jews. They woke up as Jews. Because remember, what does the Talmud say? A convert is like a baby that was just born. So now, where did they get that idea from? I would suggest they got the idea from Harsina. After we accepted everything, Hashem said, wonderful. Now you'll die, but now you'll be reborn with a holy Jewish soul. So this was really the whole so if you want to feel like you just got out of Egypt, how do you have to feel, Shlomo? Sid, how do you have to feel? You have to feel like you just converted. 
And it's very interesting, if you look at the writings of the Piyazetz Nerebbe, especially in his Sefer Tzav Zeus, his short essays of his diary, and he, he approaches his 40th birthday, I believe it was in that essay, maybe in a different one. He says, what do I really want to be? The look of the expression, he says, I want to be a Jew. <laughs> he is a Jew, like a convert. What does that mean? It means he wants to look at his being a Jew as if now I've accepted it for the first time. And this is really what the rabbis are saying. He says, in every generation, in every generation, a person must see himself as he just went out of Egypt. And if that means you went out of Egypt, you have to see yourself as if you have converted. Now, of course, you're going to say we're all Jews. But that's what the Piazetz Nerebi was saying. He was saying, I want to feel like I'm a convert. What's so special about a convert? Here's the point. Here's the real point, everybody. Let me ask you a theoretical question. It's theoretical. It's not going to be. Let's say someone comes to you and they said, you know, we checked all your records. We look way back and we found out no one ever told you, but your great, 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 great grandmother on your mother's side was not Jewish. You know what that means? You're not Jewish. Here comes the million dollar question. Let's assume you're not married and you're single because otherwise it's way too complicated. Would you convert to being a Jew or not? That's a fascinating question because you could say, oh, wow, I don't have to be a Jew. No, you don't have to be a Jew. Well, it means I can go to Swiss Chalet and I don't sin? Absolutely. You go to McDonald's and that's, yeah, that's right. You say I could lend with interest? Yep, that's right. Well, there's a lot of things I could do. I don't have to keep Shabbos? That's right. Now, I know many of us would say, of course I'd convert. Well, maybe because you're used to it. And of course, you're married. It would be very difficult to, 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 to not be, to convert. Be difficult to live with your wife. Be difficult to live with your kids. That's why I picked an example if you're totally single. And let's say even better, young single. <laughs> what would you do? So you have to think about it for a minute. Now, some smart people, you know what they would say? You know what? Let me live like a goy for a week, eat all the treif in the world, and then I'll convert. Because <laughs> then I'll at least get a taste of what I what I can't get anymore. But the truth of the matter is, that's what the P.S. That's the Rebbe was saying. He's saying, if you knew you weren't a Jew, would you still convert? Think about it. Think about what the world thinks about Jews. You know, for those who are not aware, there's a terrible anti-Semite. Who is the worst anti-Semite who lives in America? Do you know who he is? Black fellow. Louis Farrakhan, Yamach Shemo. This Louis Farrakhan, till today, till today, speaks to audiences that pay to get in, predominantly black people, but there's others. And he gives speeches that are 100% anti-Semitic, says the most derogatory things about the Jews, and the only solution, he calls us termites, and we have to exterminate the termites. He says terrible things about Jews, and guess what? All the news agencies, except for Fox News, they don't even report it. So now, if you realize that you're not a Jew, are you in a hurry to become a Jew? So now, so what's the PSS of But Lamaisha, we are Jews. 
you don't have a choice. But here's the point. Do you feel today that if you had the choice, you would convert? Because someone who converts means he really has strong feelings that he wants to. Look at a typical convert. A typical convert says, I really want to be part of the Jewish people. But you realize you're giving up a lot of things. Yes, but I really want to be. I feel it's so important. That's why when potential converts come to me, I have a, I try to dissuade them and I'm pretty successful. I say, you want to convert? You realize you're going to get killed? You realize you're going to die? You realize it's very expensive to live as a Jew? Etc. Etc. And I usually drive them away, as I should, because only not the ones who really want to be. So that's what. So really, the question always is: If you knew we're coming to Pesach, and this is the question you should ask yourself: If you knew you did not have to be a Jew, and God would not be upset with you at all, is you want to be a non-Jew? You want to keep the seven ochah? That's pleasure. That's a breeze compared to what Yiddishkeit makes me do. I'll be the best goy in the world. I promise. And, I, and you'll get to Olam Haba also. But not to say that you get, but, but life will be a lot easier. So on Pesach, you have to ask yourself that question. And, and no, no, just as theory. Then you say, you know what? In every generation, you have to ask yourself that question. We come to the Seder, the first question you have to say to yourself is, if I wasn't Jewish and I didn't have all these family obligations and all these things and I had a choice, would I convert or not? The answer is, let's read the Haggadah. And let's live through the Haggadah and give me your answer at the end of the Haggadah. That's how we start. In other words, and it's not just a silly mind game. Because unfortunately, present company excluded, there are many Jews who act as if they're not Jews. And even they follow the law, but they're not really excited. They don't have, and, and many of them, you know, if I wasn't, you know, many Jews, let's put it this way. If you're a Jew and you talk in shul, would you convert to be a Jew if you can't even sit respectfully in a shul? If you wanted to convert and you told the Besson, I'll convert on the condition that I could talk in shul during davening, they won't convert you. If they say, I will talk in shul, I'll do everything, but I will talk in shul. They're not going to convert you. So how many Jews talk in shul? <laughs> how about if they would convert Jewish people to convert to being a Jew? What would that mean? What would that mean if a Jew who's a Jew wants to convert to be a Jew? What does that mean? That means I'm not going to talk in shul or other things, right? So this is the question that you ask yourself before we read the Haggadah. You tell your audience, would you convert or not? And don't give us an answer. Because right now we're behaving as if we're a non-Jew. At the end of the Seder, give me your answer. And you know what the answer will be? The Yes or no? The answer is, will we make the bracha asher go'alanu? Will we say in every generation you have to see as if you were there? And the Jews who left Egypt, there were 80% didn't want to leave. They didn't want to convert. And they died. But there's 20% who went out. And therefore we have to praise Hashem. And then we make the bracha of Hashem, you redeemed me. I am redeemed. I am now a Jew. Philosophically, intellectually, emotionally, I feel like a Jew. Before the Seder, it's sometimes very hard to feel like a Jew. You're just doing because you have to do it. Okay, so here is an interesting halacha. 
We always make a bracha before we do a mitzvah. You don't make a bracha afterwards. With two exceptions. One exception is washing your hands. You make the bracha after you wash your hands, but before you dry at least. What's the other exception? When a non-Jew converts. When a non-Jew converts, or for that matter, when a woman goes to the mikvah too, but that's a different aspect. When a non-Jew converts, can he make the bracha before he goes into the mikvah? Can a non-Jew, he's going to, it's a mitzvah, he's, he's converting. And when he goes in, he's going to make the bracha of going to the mikvah. Can he make the bracha before he d- d- dunks? He can't, he's not no. a Jew. He's not a Jew. So when does he make the bracha? Afterwards. Now a Jewish woman, she makes the bracha, well, first she goes in the water, and then she makes the bracha and then dunks again. So she's making the bracha before. Okay. But the non-Jew doesn't make the bracha until after because he can't. So now, if we see ourselves as being a non-Jew who converts, the whole question is a moot point. We ask, make the bracha on the midst of Haggadah, right? But we have to act as if we're not Jews, right? And we're starting the Haggadah, as, we have to pretend as if we went through Egypt, right? So the story of Egypt, did we start as Jews? No. Did we end as Jews? Yes. When do we make the bracha? After you come out of the mikvah. After you, after you go into the mikvah. After you dip and now you're a full-fledged Jew, now you make the bracha. So therefore we have to look at ourselves as if we came out of Egypt. And therefore the bracha itself, so he said, why don't we make a bracha on the Haggadah? And what does he say? Because really there's a, there is a bracha. What does he mean when he says there's really a bracha? If you appreciate the kindness that what Hashem did, what's the ultimate kindness Hashem has done? He took us out from being going to become Yidin. And we all have to feel that way. And then we have to act out that way. And we can't make a bracha before, oh, Hashem commanded me to do the Haggadah. You're not a Jew yet. That's, that's to live that way. And now, and now you see all the kindness and you're drawn and you're convinced and you're persuaded. And then you come to the end and you say, you know what, I, I'm so happy I'm a Jew and I'm thanking Hashem and here's the bracha. That is the bracha. That shows that everything I did, now it's a bracha. It's not just a bracha chrona. It's mamish the bracha. You don't make a bracha on a bracha. Just like the convert doesn't make a bracha on that he's going to make a bracha for going to the mikvah. Because that bracha is the culmination of everything. And you can't make the bracha until you really appreciate it. And that really is why he says the bracha is that go'al Yisrael. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. Okay, we'll end it there. Tomorrow we'll get into the Shehecha Yanu bracha Ezra Hashem.